Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Saturday, January 21st and Sunday, January 22nd, 2023. Uh, we do have a few anniversaries. Uh, on January 20th, 1981, the Iranian government celebrated Ronald Reagan's inauguration by ending the 444-day Iran hostage crisis with the release of 52 U.S. hostages. The release was the result of months of negotiations between the Iranians and the Carter administration, which produced the Algiers Accords, among other things, things these, these established an international tribunal to adjudicate, adjudicate claims by U.S. citizens against the new Iranian government and by Iranian citizens against the U.S., the timing of the release has fed into October surprise conspiracy theories about secret talks between the Iranians and the Reagan campaign. Uh, this is certainly possible, but it's also possible that the Iranians timed the release to coincide with Reagan's inauguration as a final F.U. to Jimmy Carter, who was mostly, at this point, reviled in Iran because of his perceived support for the Shah, Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi. On January 21st in the year 763, this is the anniversary of a battle called Bahamra, the Battle of Bahamra, relatively obscure battle, uh, was fought in modern-day Iraq between a Shia uprising and the armies of the Abbasid Caliphate. This was the first major Shia uprising against the Abbasids, which is itself somewhat interesting because the Abbasids, you, you got to get into the whole history of this, but uh, when they came to power, the Abbasids sort of... Uh, define themselves vaguely enough that they got a lot of Shia support as they were rebelling against the Umayyads. Uh, then once they had established themselves in power, they turned around and said, you know, we're, we're not into this whole uh, family of Ali thing. So, uh, you know, don't don't get the wrong idea. Uh, this was, as I say, the first uh, Shia uprising against the Abbasids. The Abbasids defeated uh, the Shia rebels, as all, almost always happen in these cases. Um, so there's not much to say about it other than that. There, there, I do have a piece on the website if you want to check it out. Uh, also on January 21st in 1793, having been found guilty of treason by the National Convention, French King Louis XVI was executed by guillotine. His death marked what at the time surely seemed like the end of the French monarchy, although Napoleon and then later the restored Bourbons uh, had something to say about that. Uh, it also shocked even some supporters of the French Revolution, and that shock may have contributed uh, to, to the support for restoring the Bourbon when all was said and done. Uh, in January, on January 21st, 1968, the North Vietnamese siege of the Khaesan combat base began. Uh, U.S. Relief Army was able to break that siege in April, but American leaders decided that the cost of continuing to defend uh, the facility was not worth it, so they had it dismantled. They were, withdrew U.S. forces uh, from the era, area in July. Uh, so ultimately, both sides were able to claim victory from this uh, little escapade. The Tet Offensive, a uh, much more famous uh, phase of the Vietnam War began a few days after this siege. Uh, it does remain uh, an unanswered question whether the Tet Offensive was supposed to divert attention from this siege or the siege was supposed to divert attention from the Tet Offensive. The correct answer may be neither. It may be that the North Vietnamese undertook both operations and kind of waited to see which one uh, or with the intention of waiting to see which one got more traction and then throwing uh, most of their resources behind that. 
Uh, on January 22nd, 1517, the Ottomans defeated the remnants of the Mamluk army at the Battle of Ridania, uh, which is a, a one of the more consequential anticlimaxes in history. Uh, the Ottomans had ensured, or pretty much ensured, their conquest of the Mamluk Sultanate uh, at the Battle of Marj Dabek, which took place the previous August. Uh, but that was in Syria, and Ridania technically, uh, after they marched into Egypt, marks the end of the Sultanate, the Mamluk Sultanate, and the point at which Egypt, along with the other parts of the Mamluk Kingdom, Syria and the Hejaz, uh, became an Ottoman possession. Uh, on January 22nd, 1905, the Russian Imperial Guards massacre of dozens of protesters demanding better treatment for workers uh, in St. Petersburg, which is known as Bloody Sunday, marks the start or marked the start of the 1905 Russian Revolution. Uh, as reports of the massacre reached other cities, mass strikes began that sparked more violent reprisals from authorities, and the situation spiraled out of control. Uh, the revolution ended in June 1907 with the institution of limited constitutional reforms, the creation of a parliament, the Duma. Uh, it also reshaped popular feelings about the Russian monarchy and served as a sort of a prelude to the 1917 Russian Revolution. Uh, on January 22nd, 1946, this is the birthday of the short, very short-lived uh, Republic of Mahabad, which um, existed briefly in the Kurdish region uh, of northern, northwestern, let's say, uh, Iran. It was one of two states, satellite states, that were established by the Soviets um, in northwestern Iran. Uh, as they were, you know, kind of uh, uh, trying to establish themselves in uh, that region. This was after, of course, uh, Reza Shah Pahlavi had been overthrown by the Russians or the Soviets uh, and uh, the Brits for his uh, dastardly neutrality in World War II. Um, the Soviets decided that they wanted to kind of play around and see if they could hold on to these uh, states in, in uh, these little statelets in northwestern Iran. Mahabad is a somewhat of a milestone, actually, uh, in the history of Kurdish nationalism in Iran. Uh, but as I say, it was very short-lived. Uh, Britain and the U.S. didn't care for this uh, business at all, and then uh, the Soviets were really in no position to, to kind of um, do anything to, to really support this statelet, uh, and so it was overrun uh, in 1940s, in late 1946, it didn't even last a year. Uh, and the leader, the the hapless leader, Qazi Muhammad, who had been uh, sort of the head of Mahabad, was executed. He was hanged by Iranian authorities in March of 1947. So there's a, there's a piece about this at the uh, website as well. It goes into more detail. Finally, on to the news. In the Middle East, uh, the Syrian Democratic Forces militia and the Turkish military reportedly traded artillery fire near the Turkish border in Syria's Aleppo province uh, after the SDF shelled a Turkish outpost late Friday. Uh, Turkish officials claim that they neutralized, which means killed, 11 SDF fighters while suffering no casualties of their own. Uh, in Turkey, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan moved this year's general election up to May 14th on Sunday. Uh, legally, the vote had been scheduled for June, but a decision to bring the date forward by a few weeks had been has been expected uh, for some time now. Polling suggests that Erdogan could be in for a real kind of fight here, uh, particularly if the presidential election goes to a runoff, as it seems likely to, where the not Erdogan vote could be united into a single bloc. 
Um, this, of course, assumes that conventional considerations about voting still apply to Turkey's, Turkey's political system, despite Erdogan's sustained efforts to, oh, let's say, insulate uh, his position as president uh, from the voters. So we'll have to wait and see how that works out. In Israel-Palestine, Israeli forces shot and killed a Palestinian man on a settlement near the West Bank city of Ramallah on Saturday. He had allegedly entered the settlement and attempted to stab a settler. Uh, elsewhere, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu ultimately decided to abide by the Israeli Supreme Court's order to dismiss his Minister of Health and of the Interior, Arya Derry, we talked about this in the newsletter a few days ago, due to Derry's past conviction on tax evasion. Other members of Derry's Shas party will be put in charge of those ministries, and Netanyahu's coalition does not appear to be at any risk. Um, some 100,000 people are believed to have turned out in Tel Aviv on Saturday night in ongoing protest against Netanyahu's plans to weaken the court's authority and to politicize the appointment of judges. Uh, an estimated 80,000 protested over the same issue in Tel Aviv last week. So these protests are uh, continuing and, if anything, maybe strengthening. Uh, in Iran, the European Parliament voted on Thursday to designate Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and its subsidiary units as a terrorist organization. As with most things the EP does, this vote was not binding, but was rather a suggestion that the European Union adopt such a designation, uh, which at this point does not appear to be in the offing. Nevertheless, Iranian officials have reacted angrily, uh, with uh, IRGC Commander Hossein Salami, for example, complaining about Europe's ingratitude for what the IRGC has done to contain, and I'm quoting from him here, the terrorism volcano created by the Americans, end quote. Uh, I have to say, I'm afraid I have no idea what he's talking. Oh, oh, that. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Uh, now I see. That's that's fair. Okay. Uh, he's 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 got a point. Uh, the Iranian government uh, may try to respond to this uh, vote somehow, though of course its capacity to actually retaliate in any meaningful way is fairly limited. On to Asia in Pakistan, where an unspecified gunman attacked a police outpost in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province on Saturday, killing two police officers and wounding a third. Given the location, it would be very surprising if this were not the work of the Pakistani Taliban, uh, although as yet I have seen no indication that any group has claimed responsibility. Uh, in India, there were two explosions in an industrial area of the city of Jammu on Ka Saturday, as in Jammu and Kashmir, uh, which left at least six people injured. Both of those explosions appear to have involved vehicles. From what I can tell, authorities seem to have determined that they were caused by explosive devices intentionally. Uh, there's no indication as to responsibility. Uh, Rahul Gandhi, the leader of the opposition Indian National Congress Party, is scheduled to visit Jammu on Monday as part of a uh, his ongoing march across India. So the climate in that city is perhaps a little more tense than usual. Uh, on to Africa and Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso's ruling junta has reportedly given French military personnel stationed in that country one month to make themselves scarce. The junta stressed that it's only dissolving its military cooperation agreements with France, not the entire Burkina Bay French relationship, though frankly that might not be uh, far off either. Um, the junta has, has moved closer uh, to Russia since seizing power last year, and public sentiment uh, in the form of protests and, and other actions uh, in Burkina Faso seems pretty squarely on the anti-French side these days. Uh, neighboring Mali's ruling junta, of course, similarly gravitated toward Russia, uh, and it's virtually severed um, all ties 
with France. So it would appear that the Burkina Bay junta is simply following uh, in their footsteps. Uh, in Somalia, Shabab fighters killed at least five people and wounded at least 16 more in an attack on a regional government office in Mogadishu on Sunday. Somali security forces were eventually able to drive the attackers off. Meanwhile, U.S. Africa Command claimed on Saturday that it had killed some 30 Shabab fighters in an airstrike the previous day near the town of Galkad. Uh, militants and Somali forces battled, we talked about this in Friday's newsletter, over control of a military base in that area on Friday, and this airstrike was apparently carried out in support of Somali forces. In Eswatini, uh, one of that country's highest-profile opposition politicians, Tulani Maseko, was murdered at his home on Saturday evening a short time after Swazi King Maswati III appeared to brag publicly about hiring hitmen to kill his opponents. Uh, Maswati is reported to have said that, quote, people should not shed tears and complain about mercenaries killing uh, activists uh, or pol his political opponents, I guess, uh, and that, quote, these people started the violence first, but when the state institutes a crackdown on them for their actions, they make a lot of noise blaming King Maswati for bringing in mercenaries, end quote. Uh, aside from referring to himself in the third person, this is a little weird uh, <laughs> on other grounds. Uh, it's probably, I mean, probably just an awkward coincidence that this guy was killed a short time later, of course, uh, that, that Maseko was killed a short time later. Uh, an activist group called the Swaziland Solid Solidarity Network accused Maswati last week of hiring mercenaries to deal with uh, murder his political opponents. This is a charge that the Swazi government denied at the time, but that it sounds like Maswati sort of confirmed on Saturday. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm reading too much uh, into what he said, but he didn't seem all that uh, bashful about basically admitting that he is indeed having his political opponents murdered, which uh, is, an, is an interesting strategy. It will be, uh, let's see if it works out for him. Uh, in Ukraine, Russian forces appear to have made advances toward two towns in Zaporizhia Oblast over the weekend, Orekhiv and Hulyapol. Uh, Hulyapol, maybe. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mangling these. Uh, the regular Russian military appears to be focusing on Zaporizhia as the Wagner Group and its mercenaries, the Wagner Group, excuse me, and its mercenaries continue pushing toward Bakhmut in Donetsk Oblast. It seems doubtful that the Ukrainians will be able to mount a defense on both of these fronts, which may be part of the reason why uh, the Biden administration, as we mentioned in Friday's newsletter, has reportedly been encouraging Ukraine to write Bakhmut off, essentially, uh, to, to pull its forces out of there and give up defending that city. Uh, elsewhere, there is still no indication that the German government is prepared to budge on the issue of exporting its Leopard 2 main battle tanks to Ukraine. But perhaps in an effort to ramp up the pressure on Berlin, the Ukrainian government is going to start training its soldiers on the vehicle anyway. Ukrainian tank crews will apparently start shipping out to Poland for this training, while Poland and several other European countries continue to criticize German indecision on this issue. Uh, if the Germans continue deliberating... It's possible that some number of current Leopard 2 users, including the Poles, and they would be leading this effort, will decide to send their tanks to Ukraine anyway without German approval. In that case, 
The Germans can either give them their blessing or they can somehow sanction those countries. Uh, if they do decide to sanction those countries, it could result in many, some, many, or all of them uh, taking their arms business elsewhere, which would be a huge blow to the German defense industry. And so if it sounds like I think the Germans are eventually going to uh, give in here and allow countries to send their leopards to Ukraine, that's because I do. Uh, legally, they do have some leverage to stop these exports, but on both public relations and business grounds, they're under a significant amount of pressure uh, to allow these things to go through. And, and at the end of the day, they really can't stop these countries. I mean, legally, they could try to uh, enjoin them from shipping their tanks to Ukraine. But if the Poles say, uh, or, you know, Finland or some of these other countries say, we don't care, we're going to do it anyway. Like, what is Germany going to do? They're not going to, you know, uh, call out their own leopard tanks and try to interdict these shipments. Uh, so they really don't, you know, on paper, they have some leverage, but in, in practice, uh, I'm struggling to see where they could actually do anything to stop this from happening. Uh, and they're probably better off for a number of reasons just going along with it. Within Germany, from what I've seen, polling suggests that the German public is pretty evenly divided on the question of whether or not to provide Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine. So that means there's really no compelling reason uh, to, there's no compelling reason necessarily to provide them, but there's also no compelling reason to stand in the way. And when you weigh these other factors, the risk to the German arms industry, uh, the risk of Germany losing face in Europe and uh, with these other countries, it, it's, um, it seems likely that they're going to eventually uh, kind of agree to go along with this. It's, that's, that's my opinion anyway. Uh, in Slovakia, Slovak voters, or at least a few of them, went to the polls on Saturday to vote on a referendum to decide whether or not to hold a snap election to replace their current government, which of course collapsed last month and is currently functioning, functioning in a caretaker capacity only. By law, uh, moving up an election in Slovakia is uh, somewhat of a, of a hurdle here. You either need a three-fifths vote in parliament or you need to get approval in a referendum to amend the constitution uh, to, to move up the date of the election. Turnout uh, in the referendum was only 27.3%, which is well shy of the absolute majority of voters needed for a legal referendum. Uh, so that was a bust. But after that effort went bust, uh, party leaders met and apparently came to an agreement that should get them the require to the required three-fifths th threshold. That's 90 votes in the 150-seat uh, parliament uh, to move up the date of the election. As it stands now, the election is scheduled for February 2024. It's unclear when the parties plan to hold the snap election, but presumably that will become apparent uh, in the next few days. Uh, finally, in the Americas, uh, in Brazil, Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva intimated on Sunday that he could open an investigation into his predecessor's treatment of indigenous Brazilians. Um, just read you a couple of paragraphs from this Guardian piece. Uh, he, uh, Lula has accused Jair Bolsonaro's far-right administration of committing genocide against the Yanomami people of the Amazon amid public outrage over a humanitarian catastrophe in the, uh, the country's largest indigenous territory. Lula visited the Amazon state of Roraima on Saturday to denounce the plight of the Yanomami, whose supposed, supposedly protected lands have been plunged into crisis by government neglect and the explosion of illegal mining. 
quote, more than a humanitarian crisis, what I saw in Roraima was a genocide, a premeditated crime against the Yanomami committed by a government impervious to the suffering of the Brazilian people, end quote, Lula tweeted on Sunday, one day after visiting an overcrowded clinic for Yanomami patients in Roraima's capital, Boa Vista. Lula's justice minister, Flavio Dino, said he would order a federal police investigation into, quote, strong indications, end quote, the Yanomami had suffered crimes, including genocide, meaning the deliberate attempt to partially or completely destroy an ethnic, national, racial, or religious group. Uh, In Peru, Peruvian police violently attacked the campus of San Marcos University in Lima on Saturday, firing tear gas along the way and arresting some 200 people. They were apparently looking for individuals who had come to the Peruvian capital to participate in demonstrations over the ouster and arrest of former President Pedro Castillo last month. Those protests turned violent over Thursday night and into Friday amid continued criticism of Peruvian security forces for brutalizing the demonstrators. Uh, Authorities have also indefinitely closed Peru's most famous tourist site, Machu Picchu, after hundreds of tourists briefly became trapped there. Uh, They were rescued on Saturday Uh, due to ongoing unrest in southern Peru. Uh, And in the United States, Tom Dispatch's William Astor suggests the U.S. military is not learning the lessons of history. He has a couple of introductory paragraphs on Thucydides and uh, the uh, Athens defeat uh, in its war with Sparta, the Peloponnesian War, uh, and compares that to what he sees in the latest... Uh, national defense strategy document from the Pentagon. Uh, Imperial, quoting a couple of paragraphs here, imperial military ambitions contributed disastrously to Athens' exhaustion and ultimate collapse, a lesson completely foreign to U.S. strategists. Not surprisingly, then, you'll find no such Thucydidean clarity in the latest NDS approved by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. In place of that Greek historian's probity and timeless lessons, the NDS represents an assault not just on the English language, but on our very future. In it, a policy of failing imperial dominance is eternally disguised as democratic deterrence, while the greatest strategic effort of all goes remarkably successfully into justifying massive Pentagon budget increases. Given the sustained record of failures in this century for what still passes as the greatest military power on the planet, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Libya, of course, but don't forget Somalia, Syria, Yemen, and indeed the entire $8 trillion global war on terror and all its brutality, consider the NDS a rare recent mission accomplished moment. The 2023 baseline defense budget, defense in quotes, now sits at $858 billion, $45 billion more than even the Biden administration requested. With that yearly budget climbing toward a trillion dollars or more annually, it's easy to conclude that, at least when it comes to our military, nothing succeeds like failure. And by the way, that not only applies to wars lost at a staggering cost, but also financial audits blown without penalty. After all, the Pentagon only recently failed its fifth audit in a row. With money always overflowing, no matter how it may be spent, one thing seems guaranteed. Some future American Thucydides will have the material to produce a volume or volumes be beyond compare. 
Of course, whether this country goes the way of Athens, defeat driven by military exhaustion, exacerbated by the betrayal of its supposedly deepest ideals leading to an ultimate collapse, remains to be seen. Still, given that America's war colleges continue to assign Thucydides, one can say that our military and future NDS writers didn't get fair warning. No one can say, excuse me, no one can say that our military and future NDS writers didn't get fair warning when it comes to what likely awaits them. Uh, That's a good piece. Uh, I I would definitely recommend checking it out click through uh on that note uh thanks to all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter and uh thanks to those of you who are subscribed especially uh paid subscribers um and uh, if you're not a paid subscriber yet please consider doing so uh it, it's literally the only way i can keep doing this uh so with that uh, until next time take care and i'll talk to you soon bye-bye